Welcome everyone to episode seven of the New Era Habs podcast, part of the New Era Hockey Network. Today I'm joined by a special special guest, David. How's it going today, David? Good, man. I'm actually in uh, I'm actually in isolation right now, dude. I'm in quarantine because I was in close contact with somebody. So when you asked oh. me to come on as a guest host for your podcast, I got really excited. No way, quarantine. You know what? I've been quarantined down quite that much since I've still been working, but uh, yeah, at least we're getting to the end of this, so that uh, that shouldn't be happening for much longer, hopefully. Hey, amen, buddy. So we got a lot to talk about since it's been a couple games since our last pod, and unfortunately uh, lost, uh, lost a man to some life choices, but that's okay. We're going to keep it rolling and still talk some Habs hockey, and uh, we're going to start with uh, just some stuff that went on in uh, game two. Um, after game four, the Leafs were obviously up on the Habs three to one. Uh, it wasn't looking very good for us. And uh, surprisingly enough, uh, we had some key players come out in game five for us um, to help us get a, get a win. Um, one of those players being uh, Yoel Armia, who got two goals in that game after pretty much not really doing anything for the first four. Yeah, our, one of the things I like about Armia is he's always been like a, a regular good player. He's never been a star or anything. He didn't have the season he wanted to have, but he can, he's come out in these playoffs so far, and he's proven to to be a force to be reckoned with. Like he's playing really well, and yeah, those two goals in that game, like he was a huge reason why Game Five uh, went to to Montreal, uh, and, and that is honestly the game that was the momentum changer. That is where it all began for Montreal, in my opinion. So uh, I think uh, Habs fans really got to credit Armia for this because, yeah, with, without him, man, I don't think you guys would be here. The, the momentum went to swung the other way, and that game went to been a win. Yeah, no, for sure. And I know um, our last pod before Game 5, um, I was actually talking about how he wasn't producing as much, but he was working harder, and... Uh, the, the thing with him is he's always had really good hands. He's got a really good, fast uh, release on his wrist shot, and, and that's got him lots of goals in the past. Um, the biggest thing for him was not always just, like, putting in 100%, you know, like uh, the, the lazy plays of reaching the stick. Um, when he is forechecking hard, he's a good forechecker. But, you know, uh, it was weird seeing it's like he's a playoff player when the playoffs started it's just there was a little more coming out of him he was throwing some pretty big hits in the corners and stuff like that so um the fact that the goals ended up coming i'm not surprised at all but uh yeah he's been great for us so far especially in the later games yeah he's honestly he's one of those i'm not gonna say he directly reminds me of this guy but just the way he's been playing mike fisher so I'm a Senators fan, and everybody knows that. And I've come on this Habs podcast because at the end of the day, I'm a hockey fan in general. And and what the Habs are doing is really is really fun to watch. But his release, like you said, he's got a really like it doesn't it goes puck to stick and off his stick really fast. And when I watch him play, and I watch him, uh, one of the first things I think of was Mike Fisher because Mike Fisher was was kind of the same style of play. He worked really hard. He he didn't score uh, you know 40 goals a season or anything. Uh, he did get. Yeah, he was a grinder. He was a heart and soul player. And every point meant even more to him than it would to the average person. And he had such a, a beautiful release. And that's kind of the same comparison that I'm seeing. Um, yeah, he's, the, guy is a, the guy is a great player. He is. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and uh, like you were saying before, um, it really has been the upswing since that game. I mean, as we know now, uh, the game, the Habs have knocked out the Leafs um, from that game. So going forward from there, they just carried them, their momentum. <clears throat> and then also in that game, we had another goal from Kotkaniemi, and we had that amazing overtime goal from uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, uh, the 2 on that, And it just... As a Habs fan, for sure, um, when we're a lot of fans are struggling to come to terms with, you know, well, what's going to happen in the future? Because we've been through the rebuild process. It didn't work. And now, sure, we have a bunch of picks, but we don't have a star-studded lineup like a lot of these teams, like the Leafs had. Um, so seeing players like Caulfield, who's just coming up, and Suzuki, who's, you know, one of our rookies, our second year, um, it's, it's good to see, and, and it makes you hopeful for the future. And seeing these guys play together is unreal. Yeah, honestly, uh, Suzuki, I've been impressed with since day one. I honestly, this guy's going to be uh, a star for years to come. Double K, um, obviously, between Sens fans and Montreal fans, there's always that double K versus versus Kachuk thing. But yeah. but this is about double K, and double K is going to be He's gonna be a star as well. He's so good, and and as a Sens fan, I, I watch him, and I'm. It's hard because you can't really, you can't compare him to Kachuk. They're different players. They're yeah. totally different players. Hundred percent. Double K is all about the snipe. He's 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 so skilled. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful to watch on the ice. And Cofield, well, uh, he he went toe to toe with another one of of Otto's guys, Shane Pinto, um, in in recent uh voting for uh the hobie baker yeah that kid is amazing like people don't realize exactly what montreal has like i think it's just because we haven't really seen it yet but you know yeah but the difference between montreal and ottawa right now is is this is montreal's players have been playing for a year or two and stuff like that but Ottawa is more on a pedestal in a sense of because there's been more havoc, more drama, uh, all up in the news and stuff like that. But I think Montreal's a little more um, ahead than Ottawa as far as their rebuilding situation goes. The skills that these kids have is insane. Like uh, Cofield is probably my favorite prospect in Montreal. I'm I'm excited to watch that kid school the NHL for years to come. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I, I know a lot of people have just been kind of knocking his size because that really is his only downfall right now, but um that and i mean he's learning to play defensively in the nhl um we've seen him make a couple you know if he plays and stuff like that but for the most part he's he's learning right but uh he he reminds me a lot of martin st louis like in his work ethic his his quick hands and uh he is a shooter but we're starting to see like with the the suzuki goal that you know he he can be a passer too well yeah and like you said, it's a good comparison with the Martin Saint Louis thing, um, because he was small, he was fast, and he was good, right? It's just like even like Nathan, um, uh, was it Nathan Gerby? He was the same way. Where you can't, I, I understand that size in the NHL is important, but don't let that always be the determining factor of what a player is going to be like. Because the day you underestimate a smaller player like that is the day you get a guy like Saint Louis. I don't know if you ever seen Saint Louis' legs, man. Those things weren't calves; they were cows. That guy was built like a brick house, and you could you. It was hard to take him off the puck. Uh, he was fast. He was a, a beautiful passer. He had great vision. That's why he became the superstar he was and a Stanley Cup champion. So it's a good comparison. I I, I like that a lot. And it's uh, 
it's a really good um, sign getting these small players that have uh, raw talent because your smaller guys are always going to be your hardest workers. <clears throat> they're already at a disadvantage to everyone they're playing against. And the majority of the time, they are the hardest workers. You look at your Marchands and your Brendan Gallagher's. Uh, you know, these guys are bowling balls out there. Like you said, they're a brick house. So um, if, if looking down on them is is not really going to uh, help anything. But you can't pass over these guys because they have – if they have the raw skill, even if they're small now and they're young, like they're going to grow, they're going to get stronger, and they're going to be good players. Well, that's exactly. It. Look at like Brandon Gallagher, for example. He's a really good uh, person to use from the Montreal lineup. He's not big. He's like 5'9", 180, 185 pounds. But that guy plays like he's 220, 6'3". Like, yeah. He plays with the big boys. Like You watch him go up against like Chara, for example. He never backed down Like when he saw him in the corners against Chara, right? And yeah, like the small guys are the guys you can never count out. Like you said, they're the hardest workers. They're the guys with the most to prove. They're the guys who want to show you why they're in the big leagues, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, you know, Brendan Gallagher's bleeding out there every game, literally. Like, <laughs> I think every game this series, the guy's been cut in his face. I know. I watched. It, I watched him skate the other day, like this big cut against uh, across his nose, and I was just like, "Oh, that's where it is today." <laughs> just taking damage. <laughs> Yeah. So after uh, game five, uh, we met the game, uh, the leads for game six. Um, it surprisingly, I thought that we still didn't get a full 60 minute effort from the Habs. Um, and it was another close game and it went to overtime again. So, w- one of the things that I noticed a lot um, that the Habs actually did better in game seven, and I think that's one of the th- things that helped them shut down the Leafs um, was there's lots of shot blocking going on this whole series. But the thing with Montreal is they tend to try and just block shots up the middle, um, which allows the Leafs to move around them. Um, So you end up getting cycled around and and the Leafs just can't ended up pounding shots on net. And, you know, you get tip-ins on Carey Price when he can't see the puck or, you know, goals like that. And I think that's one of the main reasons why that game was a lot closer because the Habs did roll on the Leafs pretty hard in that game. Like, they came out firing. Um, but you, you can't give the Leafs chances to just move the puck around. So Carey Price has been one of the most brilliant Carey Prices I've seen in, in a long time in this series he's looked really good and and you're right montreal has done really well at keeping the leaf players to the outside they're not they they didn't get too many you know right down the middle um shots in game seven game six i think was a bit of the same what bothered me about game six though is montreal used their top 4d right they they went with four four defensemen which you can't do that if you expect to go deep into these playoffs you gotta you really gotta roll all six defenders, otherwise you're gonna end up gassed, which is what yeah, happened. Like yeah, and and I watched that overtime period, and and the D was gassed, and everybody on Twitter, I'm on Twitter watching this, and everyone's like, you know, it's just a matter of time before Toronto scores. Montreal's so gassed, they're just kind of waiting to lose. Yeah, and and I thought the same thing. I won't lie, but then Montreal won, and I was like, 
So that's a little bit of skill plus a little bit of luck that's going to get them to game seven. I said, it's over. It's over. Like Montreal's taking this. Like, like, but yeah, it's, they really got to, they got to utilize their defense. They can't just have all four guys. Yeah. But, and that, that's been kind of the problem um, for a while, a long time. Uh, they've been a dump and chase team. And I think that kind of also um, ha- puts it into these guys' mind that to like get the puck out a lot when they're in their own zone because they do. They're more likely to just toss the puck down the ice like when they're getting pressured. So you got guys like Ben Chirot's one of the. It's crazy watching him box guys out, and he's one of the main reasons why the first line of uh, the the Leafs were shut down the most of that series with his excellent job at boxing guys out in front of the net. Um, but he just he, it frustrates me that he constantly lobs the puck down the ice, especially with a team like the Leafs because they're fast and they're skilled. So it, uh, you just give them a chance to to reestablish puck possession. I guess at the end of the day, he he was just playing what he's most comfortable doing. And I guess yeah. maybe in the playoffs, he doesn't want to try to change how he plays because he doesn't want to accidentally screw things up. But I, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I like him in a sense of um, like you're not going to find many players that are going to that are going to beat him on a puck battle. No, like, the guy's a monster. The guy's a monster. Um, but yeah, it, he's not a he's not a speedy guy either. Like he no. he can skate, but he's not a speedy guy. So Toronto had a lot of speed, and you're right, dumping the puck was not the greatest idea against Toronto. Um, the good news is uh, Toronto's choke artist, so I mean, they couldn't do squat with it, right? Yeah. Um, I'm really happy to see Matthews and Marner just shit the bed. Yeah, that made me good. very happy. And and there's only two ways I love to see that happen against against Ottawa, right? Would it would have been beautiful, but the next best thing is against Montreal. So, <laughs> and and. It was such a beautiful thing, man, to see, and it made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it was funny. I was saying that, that uh, I think the whole fan base of the NHL was uh, was happy <laughs> watching the Leafs lose, except for the Leafs fans. Um, <laughs> because, I don't know, and it's weird because you look at all the the commentators and analysts, and everyone was picking the Habs to lose. Now, I don't think one person. I think Ra from Spitting Chicklets was the only guy who said that uh, that the Habs are going to win. But so I, that's. I, I honestly think it's one of the biggest upsets of this playoffs so far. I I, I won't even it, lie to you, man. That like Winnipeg and Montreal screwed up my NHL bracket. <laughs> <laughs> you guys agree like like Edmonton being gone being swept like that's that's humiliating as hell the for two them. teams that people thought were guaranteed wins Edmonton Yo, and Toronto everybody was like which one of them is gonna is gonna is gonna win the North Division well guess sure what enough. none of them none of them so now it's between Montreal and the Jets man and you know what I think I think it's gonna be more fun to watch and it would have been Edmonton and Toronto just because Edmonton Toronto everyone's always c- kind of around Matthews and, and, and Connor McDavid yeah so it, Toronto uh, sorry Montreal and uh, Winnipeg have like big name players but no superstars so nobody's leaning on superstar players to win the games it's just going to be team versus team it's not going to be Matthews versus McDavid bullcrap yeah and you know like I feel like Winnipeg and and Montreal both um kind of one on their depth 
Um, it was just hard fought games where they, they were able to stretch guys out and, and get the wins. Um, so, you know, I, it could be one of those low scoring kind of like even the Toronto Habs series has been kind of boring at times, to be honest. Um, just because it's just battling, right? It's just constant mm-hmm. grinding. Like there's been the odd big hit, but nothing really crazy. Um, no fights um, and, and mm-hmm. low scoring. So I, I think that's what the series with Winnipeg is going to be like. Um, but I honestly, I, I at this point, I don't know how it's going to go. Like obviously as a Habs fan, I, w- I would love to see the Habs win, but you got Connor Hellebuck, who is no different from Carey Price in his performance in playoffs. Uh, he's he's a whole different person. It's crazy. Um, and then you got guys like Connor and Shifley and Wheeler. Like their team, it has a lot of key players, and I feel like Montreal doesn't have as many, um, I guess, renowned or like you know bigger bigger names besides like Shea Weber and Carey Price. Yeah, the the thing with Winnipeg, though, is is I think Winnipeg and Montreal are probably the two best match teams for the playoffs in the sense of you both have goalies that will stand on their heads and win it for you, and if they don't, then the team is losing. Now, another thing they have in common is the defense. Like Montreal's defense rely highly on their top four, uh, just like Winnipeg. Winnipeg, one of the things that they did not – one of the things they the things they didn't fix in the offseason was the defense. Like they got a decent top four, but their defense is not great. They rely on on firepower and a goalie and no defense. Um, yeah. So if 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 goaltending has a bad game for either team, then the other team is a team winning. That's that's just how this. It's just going to be one hundred percent up to goaltending. It's not even going to be up to the oh, superstar sure. forward and. When you look at Winnipeg, like if I'm not wrong, I think Winnipeg Montreal pretty much split the season series, didn't they? Like it was like three, three, and and I think yeah, there was some overtime ones, but I'm pretty sure um, Winnipeg won the majority. So it's going to be a really close series, one way or another. I I still put Montreal at it just a little bit ahead of Winnipeg, just because like even though Winnipeg's a little more rested right now. Yeah, for sure. I, like a whole week. Yeah, but that's that. That's to me, and it happens more often than not. That's almost an automatic loss in game one. That's it. If yeah. if you've rested that long, uh, that's not a good thing. It's not no. always a good thing. Rest isn't always a weapon, right? And at the end of the day, if you could take game one away from them, um, at home, then you slightly have that advantage. I think also Montreal has, you know, more fight in the dog than, than Winnipeg does. Like Winnipeg's a good team, but Montreal is like, they're clawing and biting at every little inch they can get. So yeah, just, they, they, they have that underdog mentality for sure. Right now, everyone's, you know, doubting them. So, well, that's exactly it. So um, I did want to mention this uh, one uh, spooky little stat from uh, game six. So Jasperi caught Konami. Uh, he's number 15. Uh, it was his 15th playoff game. He scored at 15-15 into overtime on the 15th shot on net and ended it with exactly 15 minutes time on ice. I didn't know that. That is spooky. That's cool, though. 
How weird is that? That's you don't you you'll probably never find another NHL goal like that. You I, just won't. I, I I don't think so. I like I'm sure they haven't said there's another stat like that, but I, when I heard that, I was I had to check. I was like, there's no way, but like it checks out. Like, what a crazy stat that is! Like that's some that, spooky stuff. It's almost like, are we meant to be here? Is this the the way? But then you look at Colorado on the other side of the bracket, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. Colorado is is a force you don't want to. Me- you know what? But let's not even talk Colorado. Let's just let's yeah. just <laughs> let's not go there. But that yeah. is a really spooky stat. I've I've heard of some pretty cool ones like um, uh, like Daniel Alfredson. You know, he was number eleven. Uh, you know, scoring a game winning goal with like eleven seconds left in the game, stuff like that, which yeah. is cool on its own. But to have that many, that many 15s, 15s, that's that's screaming something, man. That is, as a player, you got to think that's something that's gonna carry through your career. Like, can you repeat it all again? The whole series, the whole. Okay, if, so. If, here, so yeah, because that that's that's that is wild. The amount of coincidences in one goal. <laughs> yeah. No, and like for an overtime winner at that too, like. That's like you know those things where it's like, on on, on in twenty eleven there was, uh eleven it was eleven eleven with eleven seconds on the eleventh day of the eleventh month with you know yeah. the eleven on twenty eleven like there's something like that but this is way more. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's a, literally a statistic. So you're talking about something that happens at random that matches up like that. So yeah. it was Yesperi caught Kaniemi number fifteen in his fifteenth playoff game. Scored at 15-15 into overtime on the 15th shot of OT and ended with exactly 15 minutes time on ice. <laughs> That's crazy. You can't make that shit up, dude. You just can't. That's Illuminati right there. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy, dude. I yes. did not know that. How is like, I don't know if that's like... um huge out in media like in montreal or anything but this is the first i'm hearing of it even like through social media whatever i haven't even heard of that like that's insane though credit to spit and chick that's on posting that one out but um yeah no kk has performed so well in these playoffs um he, he uh i can't believe he wasn't dressed for the first game like i mean i know we won but there's been some questionable um like lineup changes and stuff throughout this series like i still can't believe we haven't seen romanov yet the guy played it all season on your defense he was literally taking the place of victor mete who was our puck moving defenseman because they obviously thought he was playing better so why is this guy not playing in the playoffs like, like Gustafson finally had a decent game uh, in game seven, um, but they had Merrill in for three games and he was terrible. Like what's Montreal saying? Like, is there maybe like a, like a tweak injury or something that they don't want to go public with who knows. Right. But it is very weird because like, he's another like high talented player that you want to see on the ice. Like he's a really good prospect and, like I got his his young guns card, like upper deck young guns card, and like he's one of the top guys that people are looking for. Like that's how you know top end prospect he is. But 
they're they're going to have to use him. They will have to use him. Maybe they're just resting him to get him into the series because they know they're going to have to go deep. They're going to need well-rested players. And you don't want to put a rookie, you know, maybe throughout the entire playoffs, maybe give them, you know, the first series off. Who knows? I could, like I said, it is weird. It is, it is strange. Because with how good he played, like he, like there, he had a couple assists where he was like, cross ice feeding saucer passes like across both blue lines right on a guy's stick like that's what we need right now we we had almost no defensive points in the first series of the playoffs like that is not going to win you a stanley cup you need your defense to contribute to your points oh 100 percent. you need a lot of well you need you need points from your defense but you also need really good defensive defensemen and he's he's a really good mix of both Oh yeah, like, he's really smart in his own zone. Like he is really smart, and but he's physical. I was about to say, and he can he can grind people like against the boards really well. But like you said, he's got that ability to make like cross ice passes and and you know go tape to tape. So you'd have to think there's something going on behind scenes that they're just not making public as to why he's not playing. Yeah, who knows? He's a Russian player too, and he he was playing in the KHL before. I'm pretty sure. So, mm-hmm. um. Who knows? Maybe there's some. There was some weird contract thing saying that he couldn't play, or I don't know. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. It's just, it, it's just one of those things that's weird to me because I feel like he was one of our top defensemen coming into playoffs, and then he's just been riding the 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 box this whole first series. Yeah, it's strange, man. But I mean, I've seen some really weird ones too. So yeah, he he's gonna come out eventually. I'm gonna assume uh, he's gonna. So. I, I just want to see him in the playoffs because of how physical he is. We haven't really had any like big physical plays in the first series. It was more like um, you know fast, hard, you know, battley hockey. But besides from Simmons getting rocked a couple times, there wasn't uh, wasn't very many hits. So it'd be nice to see Romanov play a couple games because I have noticed that the games where Montreal comes up flying, like that first game of the playoffs or this round that we won. Montreal had like 30 or 40 hits after two periods. Like Jesus. they were just playing hard and slamming bodies. And that might've been the reason why they lost three after that. Cause they mm. <laughs> gave it all in the first and, you know, we're banging bodies, but definitely uh, you can see that they're, they get more out of, having that pressure and that physicality than just reaching or trying to make plays and stuff like that. Like the more they're banging bodies, the more they're physical, the more intense they play, the more it works out for them. See, and that's the thing, right? A lot of people now are saying because they want to see fighting out of hockey. They want to see less big hits and all that other fun stuff. So they're going more towards the, the skilled players and stuff like that. But look at every NHL winning team in the last decade, like you can't, you can't, you're not winning a cup unless you got guys that can bang. You're just, you're just not. Um, that's why, until like, for take, until they take hitting out, I don't think that'll change. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's why guys like Patrick Maroon, for example, that guy's like a, this is like a horseshoe, right, for teams, because yeah, he's a big dude, and he's he won with St. Louis, won with Tampa Bay, and and he played on really good teams, but he played his part. You know what I mean? He was smashing dudes. Uh, and that's what his job is, and he, oh, yeah. he's done, and he's done a really good job at it. But, and that's why Montreal is hanging in there because they can bang with with the bigger boys, right? And you need that. You can't. 
like I said, if you rely on just skill, you're screwed. Yeah, our size definitely improved this year with getting guys like Anderson and Toffoli and Edmondson and uh, even Gustafson and Merrill are both like six. I think Merrill's six one and Gustafson's six two or something like that. Like mo- our whole roster got bigger this season with our pickups. Yeah, no, that that it did. Um, I, I, for me, like Chariot's one of those guys that everybody loves to hate. You hate them when you play against them, but you want them on your team, right? Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, um, kind of like our version of Chris Neal, or like nobody wants to play against them. You hate them, but you love to have them on your team. But yeah, and then you may have small forwards, but that's why you got the big D, right? They'll, they go in, they'll protect people. I think one of the main reasons why. Chirac gets a lot of hate is because they haven't playing with Weber and they're both like the same same kind of D like it'd be nice if they could split them up somehow and get like a puck mover with Chirac and a puck mover with Weber um the, the problem is they do have really good chemistry as a D pairing like when one is in the corner and he knows where the other is and and vice versa and they work really well together and that's kind of I've said it a few times this past season, even last year, like it'd be nice to see them split up when Mete was playing with Weber. It was like, it, it worked out really well because Mete could skate fast into the corners, get the puck and, you know, Weber could just be sitting up there and, and you know, there you go, feed it to Weber. You're getting a big shot on net. So I, I think if he had a, a different partner that he meshed with, that was more of an offensive defenseman, he might not look as lacking because it's not bad. He he doesn't look bad. It's really just like, you know, he's a good good defensive defenseman. So when he feels the pressure, you know, it's like, I'm going to dump the puck or get it out because they're for sure not going to score that way. Like, like I get that. The, the ideal situation is to put um, like a puck mover with a big guy. Like I, I honestly thought I would have seen like with a guy who's high talented, like, uh, Romanoff, who's coming into the league, it would have been nice to see him play with Weber. You know why? That's because yeah, because he can move the puck, but he also has that physicality, and he could really afford to learn from a guy like Weber. Like at the end of the day, he's he's gonna be your top two pairing. Weber's only around for what another season or two. If he plays his last year of his contract, he'll be playing at thirty-seven. Right? If I'm not wrong, in the last year of his contract, so yeah. that gives you two years to really train this kid. And there's no better way than to train Weber to have Weber train him right now. It'd be it, it'd be really cool to see. I think it'd be a really good pairing. Yeah, that I, that's something I had hoped for for a while. Like especially when when Romanov started playing, and they did play together a couple times. And I was like, this is awesome. Like this is what we want to see. <laughs> but then you know, I think there's like a confidence thing where like as soon as they start having bad games or they start losing. It's like automatically, oh, let's put Sherrod and Weber back together because those are our guys. And and then you got Petrie and Kulak, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, Edmondson's also good. And they had Edmondson playing with Petrie for a while. So it it kind of sucks that Montreal does have some pretty decent defensive depth, um, but it also just gives you a whole more host of problems because you're not getting guys in the lineup. That's yeah, what so with Mete, and then we lost him. So I was gonna say it's it's a, it's one of those problems, but it's a good problem to have where you have uh, really good defensive depth, and somebody's gonna suffer for it, right? And yeah. unfortunately, I think Romanov's the guy who should not be suffering for it. Uh, so 
he's he's gonna play these playoffs one or another. Either way, he's gonna be a big part of the team man, in the future. He's gonna be huge. Um, yeah, and personally, I I like Petrie, but I think um, I think Petrie might be better off with a guy like like uh, like Shariot or something, for example. Yeah, and we, I don't even P- think we've seen them together, Shariot and. Uh, no, I think I think it's because they're both the same side shot. I think. Yeah. Like, well, literally, the majority of our D men are fucking. I think right-handed. 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 Yeah. Right-handed. Yeah. And and a guy like Petrie could play on both sides. Uh, he's experienced enough. He's done it already. Um, if I'm not wrong, I think he did it. Uh, I'm gonna have to, I'm, I, no, no, I, I'm going to say, I think it was, I can't remember if it was like World Juniors or actual Team Canada. I'd have to Google it to freaking figure it out. But I know they I, just, it sucks for board play being on your off wing as a defense. Like when you're trying to shut someone down coming into the zone, it's so much easier for them to bounce it off the boards and go around you. Oh, yeah. And sorry. So I know that when he played, where is it? I'm pulling it up right now as we speak. Da, 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 international play. So I know when he played like uh, Team USA with um, like in the AHL, sorry. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure he spent quite a bit of it playing on his offside. Like he's he's comfortable playing both sides, and yeah. he's another guy who's veteran and would be good to. You can put him with with Romanoff, and that would be a really good deep pairing right there too. I think that would be a good deep pairing. And you know what, Petrie was finally the defenseman that got a point for us. Uh, yeah, uh, end of that drought. That ended the drought of no defensive. Why is adding the points like that was crazy? They were, that's what all they were talking about on Sportsnet and stuff like that was the lack of defensive contribution from Montreal, which was really hurting them. But I mean, hey, we ended up pulling out a game seven with the win. So, you know, what I really enjoyed watching these playoffs in Montreal, Perry. I was it, just gonna, <laughs> he's been he's been fun to watch, man. Like, he feels like in Dallas, he had some good games and stuff, but you can. You could tell, like he feels, uh, like he he almost seems rejuvenated for these playoffs, right? And then, yeah. like that thing that happened with Spezza, you could tell, like that was hundred percent unintentional. You could tell, like he felt bad. That's his. That's his. Uh, that's his dude. Sorry, with uh, Perry and um, Tavares. Tavares. Yeah, I said Spezza by accident. Sorry, um, but yeah, you know that's his dude. Like he obviously didn't mean to do that. Um, and like the Felino, I'm assuming you guys have talked about this on on that episode. That episode right yeah. after was the fight, right? Which was a stupid fight, stage fight. It was a stupid fight. Could could you imagine if somebody actually got knocked out and got you know smashed their head on the ice? That was a dumb fight. I get protecting your captain, but yeah. you're not protecting your captain over something that's accidental like that, man. That's stupid shit. But I've loved watching Perry, man. That guy is such a grinder. That guy is such a in your face. Like screw you! Like he's gonna taunt you. He's gonna score goals. He's gonna make nice plays. When you're not looking, he's gonna slash you in the back of the knees. Like I love that guy, man. Like he is one of my all-time favorite players. But yeah, so Perry was one of my favorite guys to watch since even in Anaheim. Like I remember watching him play against Ottawa and in the Stanley Cup Finals. And Perry's one of those guys, man. He He's like Gallagher, right? Where he's a pest, but he can play. You hate to play against him, but you love having him on your team. Um, what was your impression of Perry for like the entire series so far? Oh, it's been amazing. He's he's definitely a playoff player. Like he's completely different as soon as the, the season ends. 
but uh, it, it blows me away how good his hands are still. Like even it doesn't have to be a play where there's a goal scored or where he's getting a chance, but like when he goes into the corner, sometimes these little like uh, forehand backhands where he'll just like spin around and just <laughs> completely blow these guys. Like, and you can tell his age is catching up to him when he's stretching down through the neutral zone, skating down the ice and stuff like that. But the, those in tight close battles, he's still winning. And like, I can't believe how good his awareness is and his passing and just his hands in general. He's been I, my favorite player for the Habs, not only in playoffs, I think this year. He's one of those guys when he gets the puck on like below the blue line, uh, sorry, below the goal line. Yeah. If he's going towards the goal and he's on the goal line, the first instinct as an opponent should be, oh, shit. Because yeah. like this guy does not need much room to make something happen. And he's proven that man with like these nice little like I he scored a goal against Ottawa. It was right on the goal line. He got in real up close and he with no room. I think he like top shot right upstairs. It. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I I screamed at the TV and I was like, oh man, like I'm not gonna repeat what I said. It was a bit more of a swear word, but it was a nice goal. The next day I was like, Yeah, you gotta give Perry props. I was it, it shows, man. It's like like I said, he doesn't need much room to do something with it, and that's that's the hockey that I love to watch is yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so nice to, to see stuff like that, especially for a guy like Perry who he's getting paid the league minimum. Like he's literally out there just having a blast. Like there's no the, the money motivation for him. Like maybe if, in if talk future contract talks, but I don't see him being in the league that much longer. So realistically he's just yeah. having a blast. Yeah, and it's not that American U.S. dollar either. It's that Canadian dollar he's making. So, uh, so yeah, he's not making a crap ton of money. Like you said, he just wants to play. Yeah. I think just like Jason Spets in Toronto, they just want to show that they could still play. They just want to keep playing and have fun. Yeah, and you can tell Perry's having fun, man. You watch him play; he knows he's not playing for a seven million dollar contract, right? So, yeah, no, and I feel like. Um... Stall has been the same way. We haven't seen as much from him uh, since he's been on the Habs, but he still is making smart plays. He's just not getting the chances. But that he's playing on the fourth line the most most of the time. You know, he's not getting as much ice time. But Stall's same thing. Like the his awareness and the way he reads the game is just you can tell he's he might not be playing the fastest or making the biggest plays, but he's playing so smart. And like in game seven, he got two assists um, to help us win that game. And we're watching him and Perry play together. I think is is awesome. I love it. It's a remnant of team Canada. They played together on team Canada. Yeah. And uh, I've always liked the stall brothers, all of them. They've all been really good. I've always preferred, Eric Stahl has always been my favorite of the song because he was the first one in, in, right? Like, yeah, my my first autograph hockey card was was a Carolina Hurricanes Eric Stahl card. I, I I've always liked him, good old Canadian boy, and yeah, yeah, he he's playing a fourth line, but he plays his role well. He goes in there as a leader. He he eats the minutes to get the star players some rest on the bench. He doesn't. He's not a defensive liability. Uh, like you said, he picked up a couple apples. Um, he's He's one of those guys. He is what a Stanley Cup winning team needs on their fourth line. Yeah. That's that's how you build a team, right? Like I'm not saying by any means that Montreal is a Stanley Cup winning team because we don't know. But what I'm saying is guys like that are the reason why teams like Montreal have a good chance is because you can trust them on the ice 
while your superstars are resting on the bench, right? You don't always have to have your guys playing X amount of minutes. You can put your fourth out there and and, and relax. Yeah, and that's definitely it. Like that, that's exactly what we saw happen to the Edmonton Oilers um, with them only being able to run basically two lines in, in the, their last minutes of the last game they played. So um, that's where that depth comes in. And I, I know I've had some questions about like, what the Habs are going to do with places like Tatar was hasn't played the last couple games, which you know, going going into the playoffs, you wouldn't have really thought that was a possibility. But um, when you have guys like Armia and KK and Suzuki and Caulfield, they're all putting points up. You, you can't really pull them out of the lineup now. So no, you can't. And guys like. Um, <sighs> So I'm not going to say the old vets because there's some old vets that are still there earning their earning their ice time, but like when you look at Tutu or when you look at um okay, so Perry's earning his ice time. Toffoli. So when you look at guys like Toffoli, for example, yeah. So Toffoli came in and he he immediately just murdered the hell out of his old team, Vancouver. Um. He had a pretty decent season still. He had, what, th- almost 30 goals, 16 points, whatever. Yeah. And he, he, even for playoffs, two goals, three assists, uh, you know, so five points in seven games is still really good. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he's not the guy everybody's talking about, right? No. So, and and I love to see that because guys like Toffoli is like the same concept as the stall, where it's not those guys that you're going to talk about, but those are the guys that are still carrying that team. You can trust them on the ice. Um, but like you said, Tutu not playing. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have believed it because Tutu's been a big part of Montreal now. So I keep saying Tutu. Oh my yeah, God. Sorry, hard. man. Jesus. <laughs> why do I keep saying Tutu, man? Oh, I know. I know. That's why, right? It's like I used to confuse Chichu and Tutu, the names all the time. I don't know yeah. why. I know they were different players. I just always, but yeah. Um, but yeah, Tatar is just, he's been good for Montreal. And I would not have expected him not to be playing. Yeah, I know he had, uh, you know, I think he had like three 20-goal scoring seasons with the Habs so far. And uh, last year he was our highest point getter. So it's weird, but you're definitely starting to see that, like, that trade we did with Vegas with Pacioretty, like Suzuki's starting to look like he's the better part of that trade. And that trade is looking better and better every day. Because even though Tatar's not producing now, he did produce for us since he's been here. So, but yeah, it's and, uh, and he's going to get back in the lineup, especially if Montreal's going to go in long. There's zero chance he doesn't come back into the lineup. No, you guys need going to need a break. Yeah, guys are going to need a break. You're going to need every player's guys are going to be you know banged up, and you know he might come back in the lineup, and Tatar might be one of those guys that stays in the rest of the playoffs. You never know. See, I said Tatar, not Tutu this time. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that, And that's usually what happens is, like, guys don't want to be on in the box. They want to be on the ice helping. So, you know, sometimes just that little, you know, couple games missed is going to motivate you to, to be your best. And, you know, hockey is unfortunately a game where puck luck is a huge part. So, you know, you might be getting chances all the time, and you're just not getting that puck luck. It's just not going in. And all it takes is for that to turn around. Your confidence goes up, and then it's like a whole nother player. I was talking to um, 
the guy who's an Islanders fan. And he, he had only been an Islanders fan for a few years. <clears throat> he just started getting into hockey. And I, I said something about the hockey gods. And he's like, the what? So the hockey gods. I said, I said, the hockey gods are as real as puck luck, is what I said to him. I said, the hockey gods need to be smiling upon you that day and you need to have puck luck. And, and, and half the time, it's not just a matter of skill. You need to have the hockey god shining down on you and you need to have some puck luck in order to win. You'll see guys who, you'll see teams who will play in a way where they should not win. They should not have won that game. They should have lost the game. The other team just outplays them in every single way possible. But the shittier team that day had puck luck and had the hockey gods looking down on them. Yeah. But so, and sometimes that's what you need. So, you know, hopefully Montreal gets more puck luck and the hockey gods shine down on them for, you know, for the rest of the, for the playoffs. Um, at the end of the day, there's only two Canadian teams left. And and it's tough for me personally to go for either one. Montreal geographically is closer to home, but also a rivalry of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, to me, the Winnipeg Jets are nobodies to me. Um, it's hard to find Winnipeg Jets fans. Uh, I, I think they're like Bigfoot, man. You hear about them, but you don't see them anywhere, right? So I, I think for the country, it'd be better for Montreal to to keep going over over the Jets. Yeah, for sure. Like I. I... I'm a Habs fan, so I, you know what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, four games, let's go sweep them out of here. Let's, next round, who's next? But uh, I'm kind of excited for the game tonight because I just I don't know what's going to happen. It was a really even matchup throughout the season, so I'm kind of excited, kind of nervous, don't know how it's going to go. But the nice thing is um, price being so good and playing so good for us is such a calming thing for a Habs fan. It's like, you know what? Like no matter what, at least we got Carrie. Carrie's been playing good, you know, so we should be decently. Okay. Like there isn't going to be a five, nothing game against the Habs. No, there isn't. And he's, he's due for a bad game. Um, like even in the loss. Um, yeah. Was, even in, in, in that was the, the last game. series, it was one bad game. But you're allowed one per series, man. It, it's it's, a, it's about how you bounce back. And Carey Price, of all NHL goalies, knows how to bounce back. He owns it. I had a bad game. I learned some bad goals. And he comes back the next game, and he comes out hard. And Carey Price has always been like that. Now, he's gotten a lot of a lot of flock over, over the years about not being the elite goalie everybody thought he was. And he's had some bad seasons. He's had some good seasons. But the way I see it is, is there's the Patrick Waz and Marty Broders, and then – Right underneath that is the rest, which is like the carry prices, you know, the hella bucks and stuff like that. So, like, people need to just relax. Carry prices here. He's gonna do his job. He's gonna do it well. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess, I, and I'm happy we're recording this. I'm gonna go out and say that's gonna be a three-one game for Montreal tonight. Three-one. 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 Mark that shit down. And and if like I'm right, it. and if I'm right, one of the winners has to send me a Montreal Canadiens hat or something. there you go everyone's like screw you yeah um i i was kind of thinking that right out of the gates we were gonna have our first game go to overtime again um and i because of how good those goalies have been i I didn't see it going very high so i'm gonna say it's gonna be a 3-2 win for montreal in overtime i think uh i think those goalies are gonna stand on their head that first game I think Hellebuck's gonna is gonna be solid, but I think too much rust right now. And people are like it's all everyone's like it's only been a week. Yeah, but to an NHL player, a week 
Like mm. if you if you work out and and I mean I don't anymore, but when I did work out after not working out for a week and then going back to the gym and going back as hard as I did, mm. that <laughs> it, it kicks the crap out of you. It's just not possible. And you know I I think it's just going to be you know game one of series two and not enough left. Uh, sorry, and just too much time off. Yeah, I'm going. I think the, I think the biggest thing with the time off. Um, because these guys are obviously still working out and they're still practicing and stuff, so they're oh, yeah. on their skates, right? Yep. But you're not, you're not in like a game atmosphere. So, like the biggest thing is like your eyes, your your timing, um, movements. You know, it's not up to speed. So, like, what, like you said, when you have a week off, you you're not as used to thinking that fast and making decisions at that fast rate um, in a game like that. So. A lot of times those are the teams that are caught flat-footed because they have been rested for so long. And Montreal just played two days ago. Their hearts are still racing from that win. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they're already operating at that at that speed. So I, I could see it. I just, you know, it's it's going to be a hard-fought series. So I'd love to – I like your prediction. I'd love to see Montreal win 3-1 tonight. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say it's going to overtime. Uh, we'll see. I guess we'll have to see. But I honestly, I think also that the Jets are going in very confident. Mm-hmm. So after after eliminating the Oilers, who were one of the top teams in the North Division, right? You swept them in four. In four, like that's hard for for any team in the NHL to do. You could take the first place and the thirty first place teams and put them in the best of seven. And there's still no guarantees that they're going to sweep them in four, but that's what happened because I think I think Edmonton came in too confident, and I think Winnipeg went in there just grinding. So I think, like I said, you have two similar teams. I just think for the whole series is going to is up in the air. I just think for game one, because I've seen it so many times in the past, it's just my prediction three one because they're going to be flat footed, they're going to be rusty. Not up to speed, like you said. Reflexes aren't going to be there. Hand eyes aren't going to be there. Like it, these guys are professional athletes. It's going to be there, just not the same as if you played two days ago. Yeah, I like it. And uh, just to throw it in there, Montreal shut down Connor McDavid and Drysaitel all season. So <laughs> I, I, it's I, not I, impossible. I I can't say anything because I mean I think Ottawa lost nine nine. Up Ottawa, <laughs> you know, they lost nine. Ottawa lost nine to Edmonton. That was, I think that's the only team that happened to in the league. I don't think there's any other team that lost nine to no. one. No, but what's really ironic is Ottawa was the only team this year to never, like, they never got shut out once. The only team in the NHL that didn't get shut out. It's like you're such, you're a shitty team and you got smoked by Edmonton left, right, and center, but you never once got shut out, eh? So let's, let's be proud about that. Yeah, whatever. They're young guys. They're still learning. Like, you guys are going to have a good team in the next few years because, like, the amount of talent you guys have right now is ridiculous. Oh yeah, you're gonna see like the Washingtons, the Pittsburghs, the Chicago's. Like, it's already happening in Chicago, but you're gonna see these teams that have been dominating the Boston Bruins. These are the guys that have been dominating for a decade. Those guys are gonna go down the shitter really quick, and then it's gonna be the guys like the Montreal Canadiens, <clears throat> excuse me, the Ottawa Senators, like all these young teams. Those are the guys that are gonna come up, and they're gonna start messing things up. The New York Rangers, Detroit Red Wings. Did you, well, I mean. Those guys, those guys are bucket eaters, and they're going to be for a bit, in my opinion. Yeah, you chose. I mean, you got Zadina, so you guys can keep Zadina. Um, but it, that's what's going to start to happen. Like Montreal, you're going to see these guys. Ottawa, 
New York, uh, all the young teams. Minnesota has a really good up-and-coming team. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a lot of these guys. And that's what's exciting to see is, is – I've watched a lot of good hockey. Like my favorite hockey of all time has been uh, the early mid two thousands Ottawa versus Toronto. Like it was crazy, right? Yeah. And you're going to get to see those battles again between Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, but it's going to be a lot more battle of the skills, not physicality, right? There's going to be some physical stuff because the teams have physical guys, but it's going to be more skill battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's exciting because no matter what happens with Montreal this year. It's going to be a crazy team to watch, especially over the next like five years. Wait till like like Double K and you know Caulfield and stuff like that, and Suzuki really come into who they're going to be as NHLers. It's going to be disgusting. It's going to be like they have like Ottawa has really good young prospects, but not the super high end skilled prospects like Montreal has. Like we have um, the guys who who are going to be hard to play against. But not the super like we have one Tim Stutzler, right? And and I'm not saying you guys have like three, four Tim Stutzler, but you guys have more guys that are closer or comparable to that kind of skill than Ottawa does. Yeah, we're also just like waiting on guys to pan out too. But you know, we got like the Caden Primo and Kale Flurry and um, uh, Ryan Poling. That was crazy. I still remember him coming up and scoring four goals in his first game and then nothing after that. And he hasn't been, he'd come out of the minors ever since. So, you know, that can happen with every team too. Um, some of these prospects just don't end up panning out. And like, well, we're, we're going to have to wait a couple of years to see. But I think in general, um, we've seen for the past 10, 20 years, the American markets grow and and have a lot more talent and bring in more of a market. Um, so I think the Canadian teams are starting to finally catch up. I know the NHL is trying to bring market to America and, you know, you got Seattle crack and coming next year and, you know, they're trying to, you know, spread it out and make more Ooh, people go, watch the game, but go crackheads, <laughs> go crackheads. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's crazy because in, in a league where the majority of your teams are American, you would think that, the audience would be significantly bigger, but again, it's, it's our sport, man. It's our Canada. Sport. It's Canada's sport. And a lot of it also had to do with like taxes and money and stuff like that. But then like, I think for example, guys like, um, like Malkin, Malkin, I think is going to get traded. I think yeah, Malkin, I, th- I think he's gone. I think Crosby is a, is a penguin until he retires. Uh, they're going to give him the Lemieux treatment, which is what they should be doing with him. Uh, that guy has been the backbone of that team for a long time. But like a Malkin, they might, they might have a guy like Malkin go play with another Russian somewhere, not Ovechkin because they obviously hate each other. But they might, you know, send him somewhere to go help another team win a championship and help Pittsburgh, you know, regain uh, some youth. You know, like Pittsburgh doesn't have that much youth coming into the system. Like they're going to be a nobody team really soon. Malkin to the Oilers for Nugent Hopkins or what? <laughs> oh God! Could you picture? Could you picture? Oh, I hope all Oilers fans hear this and just lose it. <laughs> the, the worst thing about it is I don't even think the, they'd be mad. Actually, you know what? But the problem is, there's Oiler fans out there that would be like, "No, Nugent's better." You just know there's some of those guys out there, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you Nugent's way better. He's younger. He's got way more years left. Yeah, but you're trying to win now, not in five, six years. Like, I understand people are saying, like, um, people have this mentality where you need to win now with your star players, right? Like, guys like Big Dave and Drysaddle, they're still relatively young, man. Like, these guys, like, if you give them another three, four years 
to build a team, like awesome. But the problem is they don't have the money right now. <laughs> like Edmonton doesn't have any money, right? It's the new generations of fans. They want everything quick. You got skip the dishes, Uber Eats, Uber, they everything now. I want it now. Amazon ships it to my house today. Why can't I get a win today? <laughs> yeah, honest to God. It sounds terrible, yeah. but like back in my day, this is gonna sound really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like back in my day. Like, like you didn't have like Instapots and stuff like that. To, you know what I mean? We like, I'm a record games. Like, you, you had you, to watch it or you missed it. But well, no, that's not true. I remember. Well, actually, I can't. Unless remember. you had the tape recording machine. But no, I was supposed to. If you had the VCR, and then I remember yeah. like you, you would block the top parts of the VHS tape with like tape or something, and like you'd grab your sister's Little Mermaid movie and you'd rewind all the way, then you record over it, right? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember recording Rush Hour three over over a Little Mermaid movie, which is exactly why I mentioned Little Mermaid, and it was awesome. I don't remember if you can record live TV, but I remember back then though the TV being so big that's just like so big and heavy. It, you're just sitting on the floor, you're sitting on the couch, and you're watching hockey with your with your parents and stuff like nowadays, if I want to watch the game and the wife doesn't want to watch it, I'm going to pick up. Yeah. Or, or I'm going to pick up my TV or my laptop, whatever. I don't care. I got like two TVs. I got my laptop. I can take my tablet. Like I cook often, right. To watch the hockey games so that my son doesn't scream in the living room when I'm trying to watch a hockey game back in those days, it's you're in the living room watching it. And if someone's screaming, screw you, you know, that's just that. Yeah. But, but, and it's true though, but people just need to be more patient. Like, that's one thing right now with auto fans that we're finally starting to realize is patience. It will pay off. Uh, we hate our owner. Everybody hates our owner. I don't think, I don't even think he likes himself personally, but yeah. patience is starting to pay off. And I think Montreal, Montreal, I think has had a situation similar to Ottawa in a sense of management and coaching has always been um, just big talking points every year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, well, and especially with Montreal, with them, it's it's the whole French thing. They really limit themselves. So you can't have a coach that's English. You can't have a GM that's English. It's... Yeah, and at the end of the day, anybody who's listening, je suis francophone, Riley, you francophone. We are French, so we fully understand it. We could do a full episode oh, of French, sure. and, and we'd have no problem doing that in French. Um, but you're limiting, like you said, you're limiting yourself, right? Yeah, it's like, it, like it, the thing is, like, I, I, I love – especially having french canadians on the team like it having you're you're the only french um speaking place in the league so having those guys like i get it i understand especially for french media but like as a fan if you want the team to win don't you want the best possible people like well and that's exactly it right and like for like auto is very bilingual Everything Ottawa does is French and English. They go English, French, English, always, 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 because there's such a divided city, right? Because Gatineau Hall is literally, uh, you can pee from Ottawa to Gatineau, Quebec. Like, that's yeah. how close it is. So they're a very uh, multicultural city, and, and a lot of French is there. So, But they don't limit themselves, right? It's important for them to have somebody that can that can speak French as well, to learn French. It is. But they don't limit themselves. They, they, they don't. Montreal has done that, and it drives me crazy because it's – you could do so much more if you guys don't limit yourselves. Like your coach doesn't speak French, boohoo! Like, like yeah. do you want do you want him to say uh, "Merci beaucoup" at the end of the interview, or do you want him to go uh, "Here's your Stanley Cup"? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's, so that's a perfect analogy. Like, I get it, and we'll we'll have to see what happens after the season. 
because I think there might be some changes in Montreal. But for now, it's just about uh, winning the game one tonight and hopefully going as far as we can in these playoffs now. Yeah, and you know what? Um, tonight is going to be a really good uh, challenge. I mean, Toronto was a good challenge, but you had, you had a Toronto Maple Leafs that you know had two ghosts playing for them. Um, so e- even with a couple ghosts on the team, they're still they still played pretty decent. But you won't get you know uh, uh, a choking Matthews or a choking Marner uh, in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a really good challenge. I'm actually more excited for this series, like I said, than than the first round series. Um, I was really happy. I, I'm really happy, honestly. As a Sens fan, it's hard for me to cheer for any other. Like, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I'd rather see Montreal or Toronto over the Winnipeg Jets, right? We're, we don't have a rivalry with the Jets, but we do with Montreal and Toronto. Yeah. But again, I just don't think there's enough history, there's enough blood in the organization um, right now for Winnipeg, and I think I think. Montreal just has, like I said, a lot more fight in them, and it's 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 going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm super excited. It's just amazing to have Montreal turn that series around like they did. So I'm I'm going into this on a high. I have and no high expectations. I just want to see us keep going and and do good and. Hopefully we're gonna get those results. I and I want to comment for for your listeners. Riley's dedication to this podcast is beautiful. You, you got to see he's wearing his beautiful white reverse retro jersey and his beautiful hat. And this is all audio, so I have a video. It's, it's a way game tonight. It's a way game day, and and it honestly, man, I like the white jerseys. It looks good. So love it. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for uh, joining me on this podcast, Dave. Uh, it's nice having a, a outside opinion. Um, talking hockey it's a pretty intense time in the playoffs now we all got to watch our favorite toronto maple leaves get rocked and punted out of the playoffs so it's good for everybody it it was a good series for everyone and honestly man thanks for having me on your podcast man it's it's a really good podcast and it was fun i haven't been on a podcast in a bit and i'm really glad uh you, you invited me on it was a lot of fun yeah, I had a lot of fun too. And uh, if you guys go out and check out our other uh, partner pages um, who are also doing podcasts, the whole New Era Hockey Network, you can find them on Twitter and on Instagram at New Era Hockey. And uh, of course, us, New Era Habs, Habs Podcast. Thanks. Peace. Everybody. Peace.